Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I got my co-host, Curtis, here today to help me out as we discuss Georgia's latest and hopefully final assistant coach hire of the offseason and also finish up our deep dive into the 2022 Georgia football recruiting class. We did part one of said deep dive, what was it, two weeks ago now, I think? We had to push part two back last week because we had some assistant coaching news with the hires of outside linebacker coach Adira Uzo Deribe and, of course, Fran Brown, new DB coach. And, of course, there was Matt Luke's departure. So we had to talk about all that stuff. But... We are getting to it today. We are going to start with the coaching news because that's fresh off the wires, but we will move on to the remaining players in our recruiting deep dive here, I guess about halfway through the show today. We just can't push it back anymore, guys, because don't look now, but spring practice is just around the corner. So we are talking spring football practice later on this week. So we've got to go ahead and put the finishing touches on this deep dive into the 2022 football recruiting class. But let's get right to it. And Curtis, the dogs are officially jumping off the coaching carousel. Every position was filled except for offensive line coach. We talked about it last week. And now... For better or worse, a lot of people are saying for worse. We'll get to that in a second. But for better or worse, we now have a new offensive line coach, Stacy Searles, Curtis. Stacy Searles is coming back to Athens where he coached from 2007 to 2010. In case that name sounds familiar, it should. It wasn't that long ago, I guess a decade or so ago. So he's a guy who's been around the block, man. He's coached for 30-plus years. He's coached to LSU, Georgia, Texas, Virginia Tech, Miami, North Carolina. These are good stuff. These are big-time Power 5 programs. So he's been around, done some good things. But Curtis, just my brief interactions with people today, reading social media, message boards, talking to people I know, there doesn't seem to be all that much excitement, and that might be an understatement, but certainly not all that much excitement about this hire of Stacey Searles and bringing him back to Athens. So Curtis, I'm going to ask you, man, Give me one word here, man. Give me one word. Let's start here. Give me one word to describe what you were thinking when you first saw the official news come through today. Kind of confused, I think I would say it'd probably be. I almost kind of was like, it was like a hum. Like, I'm 
reserving like the my emoji, judgment. right? Like, huh? What? Yeah, like I'm trying to reserve my judgment is actually kind of where I'm at, like with it. I think that's a good way to put it. I think the, the first word that came to mind when I saw it, because I'm not going to say I knew this was coming, but his name, it kind of caught momentum over the past couple of days. So I wasn't shocked today when it officially came down. But certainly I think uninspiring is a word that comes to mind for me. I think skeptical would be another word. I, I think that's kind of where you're going, where I'm not going to sit here and bash the hire and say that there's no way this can work. Like, what are you thinking, Kirby Smart? This is the worst guy you could possibly have hired. He's a bum. Because I've seen a lot of that. Like, this guy's an absolute bum. Why is he coming to Georgia? He's not worthy of us. I'm not saying that. But I do think it's uninspiring. And I'm skeptical to see how well this is going to work out. Really more so on the recruiting trail more than anything else. And Kerr, I mean, I, I don't know if you've had a chance. I know you've been busy today. But I don't know if you had a chance to kind of read some of the articles. But the PR machine was out in full force today, dude. I mean, if you read the release that Georgia put out and then read the articles from any publication, I mean, really, I, I read about every one of them out there, whether it was Rivals, 247, the AJC, the Athens Baron Herald, whatever. It just seemed like the release was just regurgitated. I guess that's what they have to do. They get the stuff from, they get the information from the, athletic department from at the SID department and they just kind of regurgitate that but it was it seemed like it was kind of a PR machine today and you and I curse we discussed potential names for this hire last week and again I had heard Searle's name mentioned prior to our conversation last week but I honestly didn't take it seriously that's why I didn't bring his name up I thought about it I had his name on my notes but I didn't actually bring him up because I just didn't take it that seriously obviously I was wrong but we were all worried, Curtis. We were all worried. That, you and I especially, we were talking about this. We were not alone in this. But we were worried it was going to be an uninspiring hire like Will Friend. That's the guy we talked about last week. But instead, it was another, again, I'll use the word. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But to me, uninspiring hire in Stacey Searle. So, Curtis, if it came down, I mean, I'm not saying it came down to these two guys. But if you had to choose between Will Friend and Stacey Searles, Oh, which way are you going? Like, is Searles better than Will? If I had to choose between the two of them, there's no. Yeah, if there's if I'm having to choose between them, there's no question I'm going with Stacey Searles. Okay, why? I believe he's a better coach. Um, the fact that he's been around a lot longer. I mean, well, not being around a long time doesn't make you a good coach. But the fact is, like, Will Friend has never actually like done done things on the big stage. It feels like, and I remember at one point, like when we first hired Searles. Back in 2007, I believe it was, like he was considered one of the best offensive line coaches in the nation at that time. I mean, yeah, when we hired him, we got him from LSU where he had coached with Nick Saban and won a national championship, competed for national championships year in and year out, at least for a couple of years there. And, and that's the thing. Like, when we hired him, everyone was like, man, we're getting an ace, and it never ended up developing that way. But the fact was, like, that was, the, that was what was being said around him. Yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long time. And you've been around a long time. I, mean, I guess on, on one hand, you could be like Nick Saban and just be super successful wherever you've been. But in the college game, especially as a position coach, Curtis, I will defend him in this regard. I don't know if this is defense, but I think it's context here. On some level, Curtis, as a position coach, aren't you as good as the players you have to work with? Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, I was looking up a stat, and realistically, Sam Pittman, if you want to get down to it, a lot of his love is actually more recent um, development in players. Um, and that's not saying he's, I mean, the guy's a great coach and things like that, but it, a lot of his credit, if you go and read his bio, even now at Arkansas, a lot of what he's done was from t since 2013. 
Um, so it took him getting the right guys in there too, because he had been around the game for a long time. Um, You're right, Curtis. That's a great point bringing up Sam Pittman, because we all love Sam Pittman. He's universally regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches out there. But to me, it's almost more about his recruiting. Because if you look at it, you're right, his resume, he was a journeyman, dude. I mean, Hutchinson Community College, uh, Northern Illinois, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Western Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, Northern Illinois again, North Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas then George and Arkansas. And he rarely stayed anywhere. Like I think his longest tenure was at North Carolina from 2007, to 2010 for four years. He was at North Carolina. That's the longest he stayed anywhere. And you're right. You never well, heard until, his all that much until he gets to a place like Georgia and Arkansas. He did a great, great job at Arkansas, but he gets to Georgia. Before Georgia, before Georgia, he only had Juwan James and um, Ragno from Arkansas, which was like a lot of his cred all of a sudden were just those two guys. Um, and then he put gets Isaiah Wynn, um, Isaiah Wilson, all those type people in the league. Uh, Andrew Thomas, which helped build it up. But a lot of his first round success and all these big things that people are hyping up is more recent work, actually. And that's, I'll give him Where, credit. He recruited those guys. And that's what Sam Pittman does better than any offensive line coach out there. And I think the fact that he had the Georgia brand to sell Curtis, doesn't that make you a better recruiter and thereby give you better talent to work with? Well, and here's the thing, too. Sam Pittman was like doing well with Arkansas and places like Tennessee without someone like Kirby pushing him. And you can see that when he got on board with Kirby, it changed everything. It ch- he even admitted the way it changed how he was as a coach, how he saw what needed to be done. Um, you know, sometimes it can light a fire and be a different thing under them. Um, Kirby pushing him helped him develop into a better recruiter. He oh, always no doubt about but it. Like Sam Pittman was always the good old boy. Like you can't tell me that this good old boy. It's not an act, but the good old the way he act, the way he is like the good old boy. It's not something that he just came up with all of a sudden. No, that's who he's always been. But it wasn't as effective as it was until re- more recent. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And look, Searles has had again when you've been around for thirty years and you coach some of the places he's coached. I mean, go, let's go back to that list again. So some of these places you're going to have the top down LSU. What a national tie there. Put together great offensive lines. At Georgia, great talent. Helped us win a Sugar Bowl in 2007. Did some really good things. Texas, a lot of good talent. Virginia Tech, talent's not quite what it is at LSU and Georgia and Texas. Miami, in 2016, 2017, 2018, they didn't, I mean, they were trying to rebuild under Mark Rick, but they didn't have that level of talent. In North Carolina, although Mac Brown has certainly been recruiting well, it's not the same brand as Georgia and doesn't have that caliber of talent to work with. And if you look, I, I mean, so I said that I was skeptical, and I am, and I said that it was uninspiring because I do think it's uninspiring. My concern, Curtis, is on the recruiting front because if you – we talked about this last week. All those guys that – the other guys that we hire, whether it's Fran Brown, whether it's Udo uh, Deribe, whoever it is, those guys that we've hired, they're young, they're hungry, they fit that profile. And it seemed like that was the way Kirby was trending. And then here you go with Stacey Searles, who's a guy – it is well, mid upper fifties right now. Been around for thirty plus years. He doesn't seem to fit that trend that it seemed like Kirby was going with. And so to me, that's why it's kind of uninspiring. Because I've always said that, I've, and I've maintained this for years and years and years. The number one part of competing for championships is getting the talent. You've got to acquire the talent. And I have concerns of a guy like Jason Searles who has recruited. He's been around. And yes, he knows how to recruit, but he's never had that reputation as that kind of recruiter now maybe he comes to georgia curtis and, and go to your example of sam pittman maybe he becomes a sam pittman type guy i don't know if he has that kind of personality i don't here's think the, here i'm gonna play here's the one thing that i think that people aren't talking about is 
it was said that Georgia wanted a more experienced coach with this O-line hire. And the one thing that I think that Kirby really wanted, I think he knows the emphasis and the importance of the offensive line. But the fact is, with these young guys, and as you saw with Matt Luke and things, we haven't had a lot of stability at that position. Um, so going with someone like Searles is kind of the only way you're going to get any stability long-term because the, that guy is not someone that's going to be looked at for a head job. That's fair. So you think this is a guy that if he comes to Athens, he's here to stay for a while? I think that it's the one position where you're going to need some stability. Um, I think that the the moves to Matt Luke did not work out overall. Um, and as you're seeing with a lot of these young guys, um, it's hard to account – I mean, every it's hard. You're getting to the point, especially when you're at a school like Georgia and Alabama and things like that, where every year you're gonna have to replace assistants. Well, it'd be nice if you did, could find a position or two where you weren't worried about have, knowing that you're gonna have to replace them right away. That's true. And, and another, and another thing though is we know what type of recruiter Kirby Smart is. Deep down, I don't. Even when it didn't work out with someone like James Coley. Recruiting was never the problem, and I don't see him the way the, the emphasis he puts on recruiting hiring someone if he didn't think they could do the job because I don't see him wasting a hire because um, it, it, it's not like continuity where it was with James Coley. That's that's not the reason this guy is getting the hire. So if it's not for continuity, then I don't think he just throws the bone to someone. Yeah, that's fair. I will say that, but his, I mean, and this is what assistant coaches do. They don't stay that long because it's just the nature of, of the sport and, and their job. But he, at, a, at Power 5 programs, he's never been in a Power 5 program for more than four years. He was at Georgia for four years and he was at see, LSU. Yeah, I think LSU for four years. Well, and here's my thing. Most of those times he left, the circumstances had changed. Um, he went to the hot school in Texas when he left. He left LSU after Nick Saban had left. A lot of these things are like you got to look at where he was going in the stability at those schools at that time also. They left Miami after Mark Rick left, yeah. I mean, that's fair. And that's this is fair. like the, this is the first time since LSU he's actually gone to a place with a truly stable footing. Yeah, Georgia won the Sugar Bowl under him, but and and I'm not and I'm over here saying this, I don't know. I don't think it's a slam dunk hire and I don't and I'm I'm still very skeptical and I want to see it play out. But the fact is like he he hasn't been at a stable environment since LSU where he, they actually won a national championship and had a really good offensive line under him. Yeah. And that's fair. Like, I, I'm with you. I don't think this is a, a disaster of a hire. Like a lot of people right now in, in their initial I reactions. Mean, realistically, or, or my, my, my bet, my favorite choice would have been the guy from Baylor. And then Mateos. in a perfect world, I, this sounds terrible, but the fact is that the guy who was penciled in for the job, unfortunately died. And who is that? DJ Looney. Yeah. I, I didn't want to bring it up because it's uh, it's unfortunate because, I mean, for so many reasons. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it was just an unfortunate, terrible thing yeah. happened to a good person. God, what a, when it came down so to so tragic, it, man. What up-and-coming star in the profession. Yeah, God, and, and like, that's the guy, like, realistically right. that was penciled in, was made for this job. Yeah, 100%, man. And it's, it, it's just terrible. I mean – yeah, but I didn't like, want to bring it up, but I guess like, it bears mentioning. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact mentioning. is, like, everyone, you know, realistically, I want like he's gone, but I also want to give him the credit in saying, like, he would have been the guy, like, he was a star in the making. Yeah, he, he was 100%. Even when he was here as as a grad assistant under, under Sam Pittman, I was like, dude, I hope he comes back and coaches here one day, dude. Like, this is a guy I can get behind because he was young, he's personable, he's hungry, he could recruit, can coach. All those things. He checked all the boxes and just, yeah, it sucks. But, but going back to Searles, like, again, I don't think it's a disaster. Like a lot of people do. I just, I'm not as excited about it as I would have been if it was one of those younger, hungry, up and coming guys like 
uh, an Eric Mateos, as you mentioned, from Baylor, or Cody Kennedy from Arkansas, um, Alex Atkins, which was always a pipe dream from Florida State because he had the OC title there. That was going to be a hard pull for us. Um, even Nick Jones, I mentioned last week, is former Georgia player. He's been an assistant with the Rams for a while, which I thought was kind of a reach too, but I would have been open to that, although, you know, doesn't have a ton of college experience. Even Brent Key. Um, so like this, it's just not as exciting as some of those things. So that doesn't mean it's not going to work out better than some of those games. I mean, it's just on the service, it's not as exciting. He, again, he has had some success, so just give him some credit here. When he was here in Athens, uh, we ranked in the top 25 in the country and fewest sacks allowed three times. Uh, we actually ranked sixth in the country and led the SEC in 2009, which gave him 12 sacks that year. Uh, in 2010, we finished the season 30th in the nation, scoring off. here I am being the PR machine, right, Because I was kind of – Giving them some grief earlier. Well, here I well, the, the biggest, same thing. the thing that's really rubbing people the wrong way is the fact of how bad UNC's offensive line was this past year, and that's where I was going next. It's well, their offensive line has been great in the run game. They've led the SEC in rushing for three straight years. Then they had like five thousand yard rushers in the last three years, but they have not finished. Because I went and looked this up because I when I watched North Carolina play, and I have a lot of fan members who are North Carolina fans, so I've seen them play. My extended family is from North Carolina. I have seen them play quite a bit. And Sam Howell, as good as Sam Howell was, Curtis, Sam Howell had a down year this year. People were killing him. The biggest reason they had a down year is because their offensive line could not protect him. And that was that was not just this year. His entire time at North Carolina, he was getting murdered back there. That dude is tough as nails. They did not finish higher than 114th nationally in sacks allowed in the last three years with Sam Howell there. Not higher than 114th nationally. That concerns me. And again, go back to Georgia, did a great job. But the last three years, Curtis, in terms of pass protection, have been about as bad as you can get. That is one thing that makes it uninspiring for me. How concerned are you about a number like that? You know, the one thing that really sticks out to me is, you know, we kind of said it with um, Trey Scott, though, is when you, I, I mean, in the fact is like, when you don't have that talent, you can't be a expected to put up these numbers and put guys in the league either but they've been recruiting pretty well like, even Georgia, even, well but i'm saying like the fact like the pedigree wasn't there at those positions this could be one thing that's going to hurt you right well you don't have an andrew thomas you don't have an isaiah wilson you don't have a broderick jones and a marius mims you don't have a war mcclendon you don't have a tate rattledge fair and I, and I think that's that's why i'm not killing this hire because i'm and that's why i'm willing to give it a chance because as you were saying curtis with better talent he has proven he. Had, I mean, he has a track record with. with I'd say even lesser talent than what we have on the offensive line right now. That he can produce very effective offensive lines. He hasn't always had the talent to work with. Where he's had talent, he seems to have been relatively successful. And even won that. Been a part of a national title team back at LSU. Been a part of a team that could have won a national title here in 2007 if we hadn't screwed up and lost to Tennessee. So the production has been there, but it just hasn't been as consistent. So I'm hopeful, but so skeptical. You got to see. You don't know but with better talent that he can be effective again and that our offensive line can maybe be better than it was last year. Curtis, we said it all year. Our offensive line was fine. It was good enough. Our offensive line was not elite last year. It was a step back from what we've seen the past couple of years. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no getting around that. So hopefully better talent, he can be more productive. And also hopefully with, the, with a better brand to sell, he can be a better recruiter. That still remains to be seen, and that's why I'm skeptical, but it's certainly not impossible, right? Yeah, no, I mean – the thing is, with Kirby Smart behind you, he can hide a lot of deficiencies um, in the yeah. coaching staff. I think that's very as true. we and saw with the wide receivers and other positions that they've already tried had to, tr- to try to work for. Um, 
I, I, you know, I kind of believe in them that they can do it. And it, even yeah, if it's only for one year, I think it's enough that it's not going to kill you for more than a year. Well, I hope he's here for more than a year. I mean, because if he's not, then it didn't work out. And I don't want Well, that that's the thing. But case. here's the thing, though. I think Kirby's also the type of coach that if it's not going to work out, he's willing to see it and cut ties and move on. And we saw with Tracy Rocker in what year one. Yeah. Tracy Rocker. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't work out. We saw with James Coley as offensive coordinator. Yeah, that higher, but he corrected he, it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, it happened. So, I mean, last question. You kind of already touched on this, but so, I mean, Curtis, you've, you've seen social media today. You've seen message boards. So, I mean, we, we've almost universally praised Kirby's assistant coach hires, but clearly this one has hit the fan base a little bit differently. Why is that you think Kirby made this hire? Why did he go with Stacey Searles? You had to imagine this job was very attractive to a lot of people. Why Stacey Searles? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, it looks like he was with, under Saban. There's a little bit of knowing, like, kind of trusting him in that fact. If Nick Saban can trust him, you know, should I should be able to? I think that's exactly what it's It's more than just Saban, though. I think it's all about fit. I think Kirby's a big culture guy, right? He's huge on culture. You know, we talk you about the skull sessions all off season long, all during the season, about how important it was bringing the team together. Kirby is big on culture. And when he got here in 2016, we talked about how it was, it was gonna there were gonna be some growing pains as he had to establish his culture, and it took some time. And obviously, with with Sony and Nick and Bellamy and Lorenzo, all those guys coming back in 2017, it helped kind of really establish that culture. And it's kind of carried over from that point. It's one of the greatest things, that, one of the greatest gifts those guys gave us beyond just the Rose Bowl victory, but just establishing the culture moving forward. They laid the foundation. Kirby is huge on that. And part of culture is getting the right guys that fit that culture. And this guy, Curtis, you mentioned Nick Saban, Stacey Searles has coached with and has relationships with a lot of other coaches that Kirby trusts, all right? He, I mean, there are guys that have relationships with him and think highly of him. So there, actually, there was overlap at LSU. When when Kirby was at LSU under Saban, this guy, St- Searles, was there too. So they know each other a little bit going back to that time. But obviously, Nick Saban, as you mentioned, Mike Bobo is coach with him. He knows him. Bobo's back on staff now, again, for better or worse, whatever you think of that. Kirby trusts Bobo, and Bobo trusts this guy. Well, here's one person I think that we're also not. All these guys know I and think, trust him, and these what, are guys well, that Kirby respects. What, one person we're not mentioning too, I think had to have had a say in it would be Todd Munkin um, because he has to be able to trust him to run his scheme. Yeah, I was I was curious about that because I was look because I thought Munkin have a say in it. So I looked back at at Searles's resume and his stops on the way. I was like, okay, is there any overlap with him and Todd Munkin? I didn't see any, but you got to imagine that he had some sort of say. Maybe came in for an interview and, and gave his blessing. I mean, I don't know. There didn't seem to be much of a connection there. I thought there might be at some point with whoever this hire is going to be, but I really think this is all about fit. And again, Curtis, I say it all the time. I generally just trust Kirby implicitly when it comes to coaching or coaching hires. doesn't mean he's gotten every one of them right, but he's got the vast majority of them right. I'm skeptical of this one, but I'm willing to give it a chance because I do trust Kirby so much and Kirby's gotten our program in. I mean, I would say the best position our program has ever been in in the history of the program. So I'm willing to give it a shot here. They're, I, I think it's fair to be skeptical, but I, I am not going to sit here. Like I said, I'm not going to bash it. I'm not going to bash it and say there's no way it's going to work out. I'm open to it working out. I just, I need to see it. I just need to see it. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But okay, so Stacey Searles, it is. But now, Curtis, let's move on to part two of our recruiting deep dive. And I know it's been a couple of weeks, so just to remind everyone how we are doing this, you might have missed the first episode. If you have, go back and check that out. But just a quick reminder, what I'm doing here is I'm giving Curtis a player. We went down basically the first half of the recruiting class, just random guys. And uh, actually, I had my position group. But we did the first half of the, of the class a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do the back half today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give Curtis a player. And Curtis is going to put that player into one of three categories. He's either going to tell me that that player is a guy, a dude, or a monster. All right? Those are terms that I generally use. You probably have heard me use those throughout the past couple of years that you've been listening to us here on this podcast. And I've never really defined them. You probably have used context clues and figured out what I'm saying. But let's define them here real quick. So a guy is... Is a player in a recruiting class you think it's going to be like a role player, maybe a minor contributor, but you wouldn't really notice if he was gone, the kind of guy that's just imminently replaceable. So thinking back, to give you some examples in years past, maybe Amir Speed, uh, Bill Norton, uh, Robert Beal at times, well, Bill's come on, uh, maybe a Ryland Goaty, that kind of guy, maybe a special teams contributor, but it's not a big-time contributor. A dude would be a guy who's not necessarily an elite player, but a really solid starter who contributes heavily towards us winning football games. I would throw guys like Zamir White, Lewis Seen, maybe even Jamari Salyer, but he might be more of a monster, but not quite there. But those kind of guys, starters, really good players, but never quite took that next step to being truly elite players. And then a monster, that would be the elite of the elite. Those consistently dominant players, guys like Jordan Davis, Brock Bowers, N'Kobe Dean, Nick Chubb, those kind of guys. I reserve monster status. For those kind of dudes. All right, Kurt, we're going to start off with the defensive line today. We did not get to them last week. This is where we left off. And let's start off with Big Bear himself, Bear Alexander, Curtis. Do you see him in his future down the road? At some point by the time his career is over here in Athens, will Bear be a guy, a dude, or a monster? Yeah, I think it's an easy monster. Um, he has all the makings of being an absolute monster. I think he has everything of like what we saw with Trenton Thompson, but better. Trent Thompson, that's an interesting comp there. I think he's, I guess, yeah, that's a good comp. I like that. But I would say that. I mean, they have very Bear, similar body types when you're getting down to it. Yeah, 6'3", 325. I think Bear might be more of a true zero tech, but I think he can also slide out and play the three as well. Maybe Trenton was a little bit more athletic, but I, I like that. I like that comp. But Bear is a top 50 guy, top 50 nationally. At one point in the cycle, he was a five-star, dropped to a four-star, high four-star, but top 50 nationally in the 247 composite. 
I agree with you. I think Bear has the makings of being a monster, and we need him to be a monster in a bad way because we have this, I mean, pardon the pun here, but this giant gaping hole with the absence of Jordan Davis in the middle of that defense. Jordan Davis, I said it many times, I'll say it again. What's the key to our defense? His ability to plug holes and eat up space, eat up blockers, allowed us to defend the run very effectively, as well as anyone in the country, and do it with even numbers. Without having to bring guys in the box, allowed us to maintain structural integrity in the back end and not give up a ton of explosive plays like you play in Alabama uh, in the back end against the pass. We need a guy like that. We don't have one right now on the roster unless it's Bear Alexander. So I think when, uh, this year, Curtis, I'm not – 100% certain that he's going to make a massive impact in year one. He did have to undergo, I think, shoulder surgery here recently once he got on campus. So we'll see how he recovers from that. But I think by the time his career is over, Bear Alexander absolutely has the, the potential to become a monster, one of those consistently dominant players on the, on, along the defensive line. Uh, that brings us to our second defensive lineman, Curtis. I'm very excited about this guy. I'm curious how you think he compares to a guy like Bear Alexander. But Christian Miller out of the state of Georgia, Cedar Grove High School, Curtis, we got him late in the cycle. Actually, the, the late signing period is when he went public. What do you see Christian Miller turning into by the time his career is over? I actually see him as a monster. I think he's just yeah. such – he's almost like Devontae Wyatt, in my opinion. Like, he's – I mean, he's ranked a lot higher than Devontae Wyatt it Great, was, huh? was. But I think that, like, the what he can bring to the field – is like very similar to what you saw in Devontae Wyatt. Well, the explosive first step, the get off, the elite athleticism, that is very Devontae Wyatt-esque. I like that comp a lot. I really like that comp. So, I mean, 6'4", 295, a fringe top 100 player. I think he came in at 103 nationally in the 247 composite. But make no mistake about it, guys. Christian Miller is a big-time defensive lineman. This is a big-time get for us in the late signing period. And I, it was kind of anticlimactic. I think most of us that follow this closely felt like there was a really strong chance that we were going to end up getting him. And obviously we ended up getting him again, elite get off. He's a very explosive defensive lineman. He's also pretty advanced technically for a guy who's in high school. Cause a lot of these guys that are in high school playing on the, in the trenches, whether it's offensive line or defensive line they're they just dominate based on sheer brute strength and athleticism. And it's not like a technical thing for them because they're just so much bigger and faster and better than everyone they play against. But the, Guys like Christian Miller actually are pretty technically sound. He uses his hands very well. He, not that this matters on the field necessarily, but he's also got a great personality. I think he's going to be a, a, another fan favorite for us. Uh, I think once people get to know him, they're really going to take to this guy a lot. Just a, a really cool kid. It's fun to watch him and follow him during the recruiting process. But I'm with you, Curtis. With his athleticism, the fact that he's already relatively advanced in terms of his technique coming into college, I think I don't know if it's going to be year one. I think he absolutely can contribute in year one. And I think you might see – some, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't want to put that on him. I don't want to sit here and say he's going to be Jalen Carter, like what Jalen Carter was as a true freshman. But I think you can see that kind of impact potentially because we're, we're going to have some some holes in that defensive line, and he's going to have some opportunities to fill that. So I think Christian Miller has absolutely the potential to be a monster before it's all said and done. All right, next up, Curtis, let's go. Sean Washington from Louisiana, man. What do you see about what – do what do you think Sean will grow into? Or Sean, I guess is how he pronounces it. What do you think Washington I'm gonna grows into? Dude, I'm going to say a dude at best. At best, so there's no chance he can be a monster. I mean, maybe shocks me, but what I'm going off with right now, I think a dude is fair. Yeah, what what I like about Washington is that he is just like power personified. He's just a big, physical, strong dude, throwback kind of player. Now, is he as athletic and explosive as a guy like Christian Miller or even Bear Alexander? No, he is not. But I do think he gives us more strength 
and more stoutness on the interior than those guys do. It's just a different kind of player. He can fill a different role. I think he'll be better against the run than some of those guys. But yeah, I think it's safe to say right now, I think due to be the, the safest way to go. I think he, I'm going to hold out the possibility that maybe by the time his career over, he could grow into a monster, but I think it's more likely that he'll be a dude who's a guy that, and that's a, that's a good thing, guys. A dude is a good thing. Maybe not an elite player, but a guy who, who could potentially be a star by the time his career's over and, and at the very least plays a lot and really contributes heavily towards us uh, winning games, continuing to try to win titles. So I, I'm excited about him. Maybe not to the level of Christian Miller, but I think he'd be a good player for us. And finally, Curtis, the last of our defense that I'm going to talk about here today, a guy that I am sky high on, man, Michael Williams, Curtis, top five player nationally. I mean, he's a monster, right? Yeah, monster. I mean, this guy is – I think he's Trayvon Walker. That, that's who I think. That's the comp for me. I think he's Trayvon Walker. I think he's going to play the five-tech. I think he has the versatility to play inside at three-tech at times, situationally. I think he's a five-tech guy. I think he's a longer, less stocky version of Trayvon Walker. But he has very similar athleticism, similar get-off. I think he's a game-changing type talent. And it would not stun me with – I don't want to say we have a hole because we do have guys like Tremel Walthour who played the five-some – but it would not shock me, give it half the season next year, if Michael Williams is starting. That would not shock me at all. I'm not going to sit here and say I fully expect it because it's a freshman. You never know. But I think he has that kind of potential, and I think he's going to be a star for us on the defensive line. This is one of the recruiting rankings nailed. He is a top-five player nationally. I think he's the best player in this class up there with Malachi Starks. I love him, man. And I think there's no question about it. This is a future monster, and maybe sooner rather than later on the defensive line. Big-time player for us. Big-time get there. Okay, Curtis, let's move on here and let's go to the wide receivers for a couple of minutes. So Chandler Smith, Curtis, now this is the position, if there's any position, well, this has not just been for one year, for a couple of years now, where I don't want to say we didn't get good players. I think we got good players, but I don't know. And we talked about this on the first episode a couple of weeks ago, Curtis, but just to reiterate it, I don't know if we recruited at the wide receiver position to the standard that we've recruited at the other positions in this class. And that's kind of been a trend for a couple of years now, but I still think we have some good players, but let's start with Chandler Smith, a guy we added pretty late in the, in the cycle right before the early signing period, Chandler Smith, Curtis, this is a guy that has home run speed. He's been tied at a 10 to 800 meter as a junior in high school. He's got that home run speed, man. But what do you see Chandler Smith potentially growing into? I see him being a dude. I think that that home run speed is just there's certain things you can't teach, and he he has that. And I think he I think he's Arian Smith, but better, um, better prepared coming in right away. I agree. Obviously, the Arian Smith comparison is very apt. I do think he's a little bit bigger than. I mean, he's only listed at six one one eighty. But if you turn on his tape, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it. Turn on this guy's tape. C.J. Smith, Chandler Smith. He goes by C.J. He he looks way bigger than 6'1", 180. Like, legitimately. I don't know. Maybe it's an optical illusion. I don't know. But he looks bigger. But, but he does have that speed. I think maybe a little bit more polished receiver coming into college than Arian was. But a similar type player, I do agree with that. I think Chan, I think CJ also has some twitch to his game, which sometimes these, like, just straight line, like, track speed kind of guys, they don't always have that twitchiness. Like, Anthony Schwartz at Auburn, that guy wasn't very twitchy, but he was straight line as fast as you could get. I think Smith's got some twitch in his game. I'm very high on him. In fact, I think he has the highest potential of any of the receivers on or in this class. That doesn't mean he'll get to that point, but he has like if he truly grows and works at it, I think his ceiling 
is higher than anybody in this class at that position. I'm open to the idea that he could be a monster, one of those guys, eventually. He's not ready to be that right now. I think, again, I guess I just go back to what I said with Washington. I think the safest thing to say about him right now is that he's going to be a dude. I think he's more than a guy. I think he's more than a role player. I think he's more than a minor contributor. I think he can be a solid starter at some point who, at the very least, contributes to us winning a lot of football games. So I'm going to go with a dude with the outside chance he grow into a monster. Uh, all right, Curtis, a guy that uh, I know well, actually, for a short period of time, went to my former high school. Denylan Morissette. What do you see him growing into? At best, a guy. Um, At best, a guy? Get a, I mean, a dude. I think so he's okay. got to get a lot stronger. 100%. So he went to Brookwood. That's my old stomping grounds of as a junior, maybe even as a sophomore, but at least for a year. They transferred to North Cobb. Last year was injured for the first part of the year. It was unfortunate because I was trying to actually watch North Cobb play a couple times and he was not playing, which was unfortunate. So I would like to have seen him live more last year. So, I mean, I got tapes to operate off of, but did not get to see him live. I like to try to see these guys live as much as I possibly can. But I, I think you're nailing it there with Morissette. I don't see him as a guy that has that next gear. You know what I mean? I think he's yeah a solid player. I think he can certainly be a, a contributor. And maybe even a starter at some point in his career. But I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to come in year one and take the world by storm. And I don't think he's going to be a household name or anything like that. I could be wrong there. I hope I'm wrong there. But I've seen this guy a fair amount in uh, the past couple of years. And I, I, he impresses me. Good receiver. I just don't see anything that jumps, like that screams at you. Oh, my God, this guy's a can't miss prospect. But I'm glad he's on our, on our team. I think he can be a good player for us. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go with dude as well. Um, now, here's a guy, Curtis. I'm interested to see what you think on him. Cole Spear. Ooh, um, I think you could see Dude. Um, very similar to CJ Smith, where he could develop into more just because he has that speed and the size also that can make him a difference maker if he can get the fine parts of the game down. Yeah, I'm actually higher on this guy than most people are. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a superstar. Same thing with Morissette. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a monster. You don't know that. But, but Curtis, I mean, I, I, I'm i using Lad McConkie. I know people are going to say, oh, you're using him for obvious reasons. No, that's not why I'm using Lad McConkie. okay? I'm using, using Lad McConkie because they were both more lightly recruited guys coming out of high school, right? And not the biggest guys, although he's certainly bigger than Lad was coming out of high school. But no one would have said Lad McConkie was going to be a contributor at really any point, let alone as early as Lad has been a contributor. I think you can see something similar with Cole Spear. Cole is not, I don't think, as fast as Lad is. I don't think he's as twitchy, but he is a little bit bigger, and I think he's more of a polished receiver coming out of high school than Lad was. So I think that at some point in his career, Cole could be a very – I mean, he's got good speed. I'm not saying he's not fast. He actually has really good speed. But I, I don't see him being a, like a, a can't-miss, home-run type guy where he's just going to be this you know flat-out monster out there on the field where he's you know taking the world by storm. I don't see that, but I think he can be a very good contributor for us. I, I could see him being a dude. Now, I'm, maybe he's a guy, maybe, possible. But I, I think right now I would err on the side of calling him a dude at this point. All right, and to wrap up our receivers, Curtis, Dylan Bell. We ended up, now, he'd been committed for a while, officially signed the late signing period. What do you feel about – how do you feel about Dylan Bell? As with every receiver, he's a uh, – you know, put him as a dude right now. Um, maybe he develops more. He's got – he's a very interesting person. But, like, you saw Cole Spear, but, like, they they can be game changers. Um, He did it in all parts of 
parts of the game um, in the return game and the wider, the running, even at the running back at times. Um, so he's shown the explosiveness. Um, I just don't know how his speed translates to the SEC. He's an interesting guy. I, he plays at a really low level of, of high school football or played at a low level high school football. I'm interested to see how he translates to the next level. I like his size, 6'2", 205. He's not the tallest, longest guy, but he's built well. What he gives me, and I, I, I hesitate to throw this out there, Curtis, because people are going to say, he's not that good. No, he's not that good right now. But when you watch him play, he gives me some like Debo Samuel vibes, if that makes sense, where he's I, – I mean, vibe-wise, yes. Speed-wise, that's why I need to see him in the exactly. SEC. He's not as explosive as Debo, and that's why I had to say to use he, that. But like, I mean, he was like being they used him in high school, like the, in that role where wide receiver, right. running back. Like he did it at right. all. Yeah, he's got that versatility. He's physical, like Debo is. Can take a hit. He's just not as explosive. So he's like a poor man's Debo. He has the potential to be like a poor man's Debo Samuel. Which is, I mean, if you're a poor man's Debo Samuel, you're still a really good player. But I think right now, just like you said, all all these receivers, I think the safest thing is to say that he's going to be a dude. It may be a monster. We'll see. But now, I, I think right now I got to say dude until I see a little bit more at the college level. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, we've got a couple more positions to go with here. Let's move on to running back. We've got two guys in the running back class. Let's start with the big name, Branson Robinson. Everybody knows Branson. I mean, he's like, have you seen his like workout videos, Curtis? These shots of him like bulging out of his shirts. Like, he's putting Nick Chubb I to have. shame. He's putting Nick Chubb to shame, man. And that's hard to do because Nick Chubb coming out of high school was freakish. But Branson Robinson was a five star for most of the cycle, ends up as the number 62 player overall nationally, the 247 composite. But he's a five star on most sites, 247, I think had him down a little bit. Um, so kind of skewed things somewhat there as an outlier. But what do you think Branson Robinson is going to grow into? I think he's a monster. I tend to agree. Why? Um, just everything he brings to the table. I mean, if, if he's anything like Nick Chubb, then he's a monster. It's as simple as that. Like everything about him, and I think he's actually more explosive than what Nick Chubb was, especially at this time in their career. Coming out of high school, yeah, I could I could go with that. Yeah, I mean, when you start to invoke the name Nick Chubb to compare a running back to, then you're talking about somebody pretty special because I don't do that lightly because Nick Chubb is incredible. We know that. But yeah, I mean, Branson Robinson's everything you want in a running back. He's powerful. He's he's sawed off. You know, he's a short, sawed off kind of guy, but very powerful. And what I love, one of the things I love the most about him is not only are you powerful, but he's got great contact balance. I mean, we, were, we talked about him before. We were Richard Samuel Curtis, big, strong, powerful guy, but would trip over his own shoelace, right? That's yeah. not Branson Robinson. He's powerful, yes, strong, yes, but has the great contact balance. He can get hit and keep going, keep his balance fantastic short area quickness, insanely good feet, elite acceleration. Like when he kicks into another gear, he kicks it into another gear. He also has home run speed. For me, Curtis, the comp, I'm not going to, he's a little bit of a different rather than Chubb. There's some similarities for sure. 
I think Mike Davis, remember him from South Carolina? I think he's with the Falcons now, right? I think yeah, Mike I Davis. Remember from Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, yeah, he came out of Stevenson High School here in Georgia. But Mike Davis, I think, is the comp for me. Uh, but I think I think Branson's a more powerful and explosive version than Mike Davis. But I think very similar physical traits and a very similar running style, if that makes sense. But I do think Branson is the better athlete overall. But I think he's going to be a monster, no doubt. It can be as early as this year. And then uh, we, we put a little switcheroo, Curtis, in the running back class. Uh, Jordan James out, Andrew Paul in very late. I've talked about him several times, very high on him. What do you see Andrew Paul growing into as kind of a running mate to Branson Robinson? I think he could be like a Kenny McIntosh um, guy, just you know, a dude to start with, but could definitely become more. I think he has monster potential. I don't think he's as yeah. close to that potential as Branson Robinson is right now, but I could absolutely see him growing into that. I think Kenny McIntosh could be a monster this year, Curtis. Like We don't talk about that. I think he could be, and we'll see. Now, we got we also got Kendall Milton. He could be a monster, too. I think we have two really good top-line running backs there. But I think Andrew Paul right now is a dude with the outside possibility at some point in his career with some carries, some touches, and some development of growing into a monster. But right now, I think I, I would say dude for now, open to something bigger and better. We'll see. But, I mean, all the same things I said about Branson Robinson are true of him. He's got great contact bounds, really good short air quickness, home run speed. Um just a guy that can also receive by the backfield. You love that, and that's why you bring up the Kenny McIntosh comp. I think Andrew Paul's going to be a really good player for us, at the very least. Okay, a couple more here, Curtis. Two more real quick. We only got one tight end in this class, but it is one hell of a tight end. Oscar Delp, Curtis, a top 100 player. I think right at number 100 national in 247 composite. What do you see Oscar Delp growing into by the time his career is over? No question, Monster. I mean, I think he's almost like a little Bowers. I mean, a, a bigger Bowers. He's bigger than Bowers. Well, yeah, I mean, but like the career. same type. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Bauer, he's bigger than Bowers. And I think he's still just as fast almost. And I, yeah, I was wrong. He, he was number 105 nationally. I take that back. 105 nationally is where he ended up. But yeah, very. I think he's Brock 2.0. I'm glad you invoked the name Brock Bowers. And I hate to put that on anybody because Brock Bowers, we saw what he was able to do this year. Greatest greatest single tight end season in Georgia history. I think maybe you can already make the claim he's the greatest tight end in Georgia history. I w- if you made that argument, I wouldn't argue with you at all. Uh, but so Brock, 6'5", 225 coming out of high school. Oscar Delp, 6'3", 225. Very similar size. And here's what I'm going to say that might make you just gasp. Like, oh, how dare you, sir? I think Oscar might be slightly more athletic than Brock. It doesn't mean he's going to be better than Brock. I'm not I saying he's going to be better. You have to say that because of his size. And I think he's actually going to be a better blocker, too. Yeah, I think he has the potential. I mean, Brock worked at being a blocker, but that was hard for him. He had to, he had to earn that this year, and he did a great job. But I think Oscar might be slightly more athletic. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he has elite ball skills and route running ability in a tight end frame. He can flex out or play in line. He basically operated as a wide receiver in high school. But and, and Brock, Brock, Brock basically played running back in high school. So they're both really athletic. I can't speak a ton to his physicality because I haven't seen him play live. And there's not really any of that with him online. But he has the frame to be a really good blocker. But I, I just like Brock, I call him Brock 2.0 because just like Brock, I think he can be a game changer at the tight end position. I'm extraordinarily excited about Oscar Delp. I think he has monster potential written all over him. All right, Curtis, last one for you out of here. We've got a special teams player, punter Brett Thorson, coming over from Australia. I'm going monster just because I there's something different about the Aussies. Yeah, I think the program that he's a part of in Australia or was a part of was Pro Kick Australia, and they've produced a ton of big time not just like college scholarship players but big time like award-winning college scholarship players like Lou Headley from Miami who a couple years ago won the Lou Groza award I think there's a guy at Utah they had 
and I'm hopeful that Thorson can be the next guy in line. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But if you look at our punting situation right now, obviously with Jake Kamara moving on, who did a great job with us for four years, I think right now Thorson has to be considered the favorite to be our starting punter next year as a true freshman, an older true freshman, but a true freshman nonetheless. He's already 21 years old, which I, I think does help you know, with his development. The opportunity is going to be there. And again, I think the coaches are hoping that he can be that guy that comes in and starts right away with his pedigree as this pro cook Australia guy working this elite program has put guys in the high ranks of the college level, guys that have won awards at the college level. Hopefully he can be that guy. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I have any expertise on him. I'm just showing you his background. I have not seen this guy. I've seen a couple clips of him punt. It looks great, but it's not like you sit there and just watch punt after punt after punt after punt. But if you look into his background, you understand about his reputation, you listen to his trainer, his coach talk, of course, going to talk him up. I understand that. But I think he has a chance. If he follows the example of some of these other pro kick Australia guys, he has the chance to be a monster as a punter. Now, of course, that's all relative. You know, punters only have so much of an impact on a game, but they can be critical. There's no doubt there. So you know what? Yeah, why not? Let's go ahead and say Brett Thorson's going to be a monster. But all right, guys, that closes out part two of our deep dive into the 2022 Georgia football recruiting class. That's it. We've done every player in the class. We've given you our take on them. And we'll certainly talk about these guys a lot more as the offseason goes on. The mailbag questions keep coming in. We've got quite a few mailbag questions about some of these guys. So we'll certainly cover those over the next however many weeks and months. I am not doing a countdown, guys. And some of you are countdown guys. I'm not a countdown guy. It just makes it seem so far away. But however many weeks and months it is, until the 2022 season starts. We'll keep talking about these guys. So if you ever have a question, feel free to send it to us at glory underscore UGA. You can email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. And we will be glad to cover that stuff for you guys here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.